0: When I see what happened to me as I scroll through the words I think gosh you know I'm truly lucky to be alive and I don't know how I survived this and was also able to to really channel my energy into raising my son and starting a new life. This is episode
1: number 534 with Kimberly Blackburn breaking the cycle of abuse. I love bringing the podcast episodes that talk about how to have healthier relationships. And so many of you have tolerated abuse in some way, whether it's verbal, physical, emotional. And it's so important to hear the stories of people who have work through breaking the cycle of abuse. And that's what we're going to be doing today with Kimberly Blackburn. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And whether you're single or in a relationship, You will be inspired to play a bigger game and succeed in all the areas of your life. This book really takes you through the three key pillars of core confidence. Show up, stand up, speak up. And you'll find out more when you go find the book on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the book is step number five, own your beauty. We often look at society's idea of beauty. We look at what our parents have told us beauty was, what the partners we've been with have defined as beauty. But we don't really own our version of beauty because we're comparing that whole compare and despair. We sometimes are not told we're beautiful by the people who love us or who's supposed to love us. And so my challenge to you today is to really just be kind to yourself, be kinder to your own version of beauty, because each and every one of us is beautiful in our own unique way. Before I bring Kimberly on, I want to invite anybody who's not yet a member to join my free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. This is a private group that caters to women over 40 who are interested in healthy relationships. Whether you're single or in a relationship, it's going to support you on your journey to hopefully find lasting love. It's a kind, supportive place. Unlike most groups for single women, we do not allow people to just bash men and talk about how awful dating is and how awful Everything is because while there are challenges, there are also wonderful, wonderful experiences you can have. And if you just focus on being a victim, you're not gonna get there. So join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, the author, Kimberly Blackburn. She shares her story of breaking the cycle of abuse in her new book, Dirty Love. She's working to build a community for women to better their relationships and feel supported While talking about serious issues that are still very prominent and not talked about enough in our society, she hopes that her work will inspire other women to live a more authentic life. Welcome, Kimberly.
0: Thank you, Sandy. I'm honored to be with you uh, here today.
1: Thank you. So
0: let's talk about
1: how you finally got to share your story after 10 years. We were speaking a little before the show about It's not so easy to share these difficult stories. So what inspired you to do that?
0: So true. Um, It is an interesting, interesting situation. I think after being in a relationship for almost 10 years, that was very, very abusive and um, unique in that the lifestyle was, was very extreme. I lived um, a life that everybody envied and in many ways that, that kept me still, but when it all came crashing down, uh, Having a child, I think, uh, as most women can relate to, kind of went into that caretaker mode, that survival mode, where I knew I needed to end this chapter of my life and then move on to the best of my ability and defining what a new life would be for myself and my son. And in a way, I thought I could just, once I found that stability, that I would be okay. I could slowly replace those memories of the past uh, try to find myself again and really focus and dial in on the care of my of my son. And um, so years go by, and I would say in the last uh, two to three years, I started to feel very disconnected, very unsettled, restless in life. At times, very unhappy, despite having a beautiful life here in sunny Scottsdale and enjoying many things that that I love to do. And I realized that trauma is is tricky. It sneaks up on you. And I hit a point where I was like, gosh, maybe my purpose is more. Maybe this is a story I need to share. In reality, I hadn't, you could read a lot about what I went through online, but I hadn't really explained or shared with anybody, including my closest friends and family, what really happened to me. And so I started to feel that, that urge to do so. And I know they say that sometimes there's a reason for things happening, but with that feeling, um, a book deal literally landed in my, in my lap. And I said, gosh, this is my opportunity. And that led into an 11 month writing process where I gave myself permission to revisit those events but really all of the truths. So everything that happened behind closed doors, because ultimately I knew if I was going to free myself from what had happened, uh, I needed to to be truthful with it. And hopefully along the way, uh, help, help other women that are going through similar situations or that can relate to on some level. Trauma doesn't just disappear. It does not, no. No,
1: it does speak up on you. I mean, it's amazing how many people think they're okay. And then suddenly something will happen. It seems really small. I mean, that's what PTSD is. It's like you, all of a sudden you're really reactive to something that seems so disconnected from what happened and you have no idea why you're getting so agitated or irritated or you're depressed. And then you do the work and realize what's going on. So I'm imagining that it was both cathartic, and also really probably brought up so much stuff that you were reliving what you had gone through. So tell us a little bit about the writing process and how that affected you.
0: I don't have a writing background. I was a marketing major in college. I've always loved to creatively write. If you get a thank you letter from me, it's usually like multiple paragraphs. but when I sat down to start sharing the story, it was really interesting how my body, um, even physiologically, rejected the process. Like I, it was hard to stay. I'm normally a very focused person. It was hard to stay focused. I found myself at times, um, yeah, gosh, it, trying to listen to music, switching locations from coffee shops to you know outdoor patios to even a bar, just giving myself permission to feel, and a few weeks into the process, I finally, finally started to evolve. And it was like, I had to almost convince myself that it was okay, that I was going to be okay. Um, And once I did, it was quite an intense process. I think when you open up those wounds, hopefully to close them back up the right way, you also, it's revisiting a time with wisdom and perspective that I didn't have back then. And back then actually going through the, the events, I was in a, a survival mode. I, my defense mechanisms were up. So I didn't feel it the way I feel it now, where when I see what happened to me, as I scroll through the words, I think, gosh, you know, I'm truly lucky to be alive. And I don't know how I survived this and was also able to, to really channel my energy into raising my son and starting a new life. And that was a very emotional, I had um, a lot of moments of peace, but certainly a lot of moments where I questioned myself and what I was doing. <laughs> so that is true. And I know, I think it's important. You know, it's talked about in psychology that when bad things happen to us in our relationships or, um, you know, people struggle as in their childhood, that it's important to write your narrative. And once you write it and see it, it's nothing more and nothing less than what's in front of you. And I think that's an important step in healing because you own that. And, um, in a way you kind of take control of that. You take the power away from it. So um, but I will say it was an incredible, while cathartic, it was an incredible challenging time. Um and now that I look back, it's an amazing accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But I look back thinking, gosh, you know, there are moments that that I of writing that I felt extremely vulnerable, that I wanted to stop. But uh fortunately my publisher was an amazing support. And, um, you know, now I'm here with the book being released now going on the third month. Uh, Very proud.
1: I love that you shared about writing with a new perspective, that you're reliving the process, but from a wiser place with more distance. And, uh, you know, I remember many years ago, I listened to a few people speak about some really hard things. One person was able to speak about, the loss of her child, with a lot of distance and a lot of self-compassion, and she was able to share her story without breaking down. The other woman had gone through a, a big crisis where she lost several children in a fire. It was really tragic, but it was so close to when it had happened that she was her whole nervous system was not not doing well. I could feel it. And when somebody shares a story from a place of they're still going through it, the audience feels uncomfortable. The audience feels like they have to take care of the person sharing their story instead of, I can see that this person is now centered and grounded and Mm -hmm. I don't have to take care of them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when I uh, speak to someone I don't know, Uh, I'm very confident sharing these details. I, I very, I feel this bigger purpose that, um, I actually can't wait to dive into the complexities of, of what I went through, but my hardest moments is when I have to turn to my best friend, uh, people that are really close to me and have to explain this to them. My siblings had no, they knew on the outside that it was a dysfunctional relationship, but they had no idea what I was going through behind closed doors. And to, after the story came out to look at them and see their pain, because being in an abusive relationship, not only affects me, but also my dearest loved ones who feel that sense of of guilt, that maybe there was something more they could have done to support me. So that's, you know, and that's a process and one of the uh, complexities and why women stay is is that fear of having to, to turn to people you love and say, gosh, this is the choice I made and this is what's happened to me.
1: Most people don't know when somebody is experiencing abuse. I would say that a lot of people keep it quiet I mean, I think if you're really close to someone, you can see that you can sense their unhappiness. But for a lot of people going through abuse, they, they kind of normalize the behavior and they are afraid to show their true feeling I would love for you to take a moment and share some of your story, because we're kind of talking around your story, Sure, but we don't really have the details. So you spoke a little bit about the lavish lifestyle. If you can give us some of the highlights or the lowlights of your story, that would be great.
0: Sure. Well, I'll touch briefly on kind of where I was at when I fell into this relationship. Uh, So I had an amazing childhood. I was a very accomplished downhill skier. I was an equestrian. I had a very loving family, two siblings. And when I was in college, um, tragedy struck my family and my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so my college experience was very much was unlike the traditional college experience. I would spend... The week studying, and then come the weekend. Instead of going to football games or bars, I would travel from Madison, Wisconsin, back home to Minneapolis to to help be my to help with my mom's care and support in her in her healing. And during that time, my my father really struggled with her diagnosis. And it wasn't long before my mom passed away, and in many ways, we lost our dad too for a period of time in his grief. So the three of us, my older brother and younger sister and myself, were kind of thrust into adulthood from this almost picture-perfect childhood. And I think in many ways, all of us struggled with that. Um, So after graduating, I took a job in Chicago. And I was um, working for a tech company and met someone uh, in the workplace that was actually two superiors above me. So it was a very, uh, just by nature of the relationship, um, there was an imbalance of power. And we talk often about that now, but 15, 20 years ago, we didn't talk as much about workplace relationships and what was appropriate and not appropriate. And I saw characteristics in him that were very attractive to me. And more than anything, I felt like he hit that easy button. That I I craved that attention, that escape from the tragedy that I've been living through um, from someone that was my superior, but also just the way the stage he was in life made me feel like, gosh, this felt so much better than what I've just been through. It didn't occur to me, the inappropriate nature of the relationship. It also didn't occur to me that I potentially could lose my career um, being with this man. So the relationship unfolded over the course of a few years where, um, sure enough, I quit my job to kind of follow him and his career path. And he was a very, very accomplished software developer, very intelligent man. And I fell quickly in my mid twenties into the role of being a supportive wife, And having family on my mind, I didn't have, you know, I went from being, um, a very driven woman, a very accomplished in athletics and school and, and on a career path to then just kind of waiting for my partner to dictate the next step in life. And slowly that unfolded in a way where he had then, uh, founded a software company And it was on the fast track to success and our lifestyle quickly ramped up and I ended up pregnant. And around that time, um, his company became so profitable that he was able to seek out venture capital funding. And, um, it was really the storybook experience with watching this man work so hard but behind that was this life where he was traveling nonstop. The times he was home, his behavior became quite erratic. Uh, very common behavior that I think women experience in abusive relationships where uh, his moods became hard to predict. It felt easier to stay home rather than to socialize because I, um, you know, there were very just uncomfortable moments, um, supporting him. And now with hindsight, he, he suffered from bipolar. So the highs of his behavior were very high and the lows were were very low. Um, so enter a newborn baby and a very high lifestyle from the success of his company, where we all of a sudden went from living and, uh, kind of upper middle-class lifestyle to truly the lifestyle of, um, a private jet, a mansion in Malibu, overlooking the ocean, you know, a number of cars at my access. And while he was working hard with the, you know, pursuing this company, I was home, but had every privilege that everybody wants. And towards the end, the last few years of our relationship, that the control, the the physical, emotional abuse really took a hold to a point that it became not a safe place for myself um, or our child. And the, I don't want try not to, it's hard to, there's so many complex facts in this story. So, um, to try to fast forward a little bit, we end up, um, I moved from Minnesota to Malibu and within a month of being in this beautiful home, wondering, is this our, a new start in life? Why am I here? What, um, I discover an FBI investigation of his company and of him misappropriating almost a hundred million dollars in, um, venture capital money. And then when, within weeks of that, I learned, uh, that he was leading a double life. And so Uh, having a a one and a half year old child and faced with this insurmountable challenge. You know, I knew that I needed a safe place. I needed to start over. It was very, very clear cut. So the book talks about how you unravel this lifestyle and also deal with the very real element that I had been so loyal and so trusting of a man who, who hurt me tremendously, who lied to me. He cheated on me. He abused me. Um, you know, it was just the, the ultimate betrayal. But the nature of the story, because I had this life to unravel and I had to deal with this FBI investigation and kind of free myself from um, potentially being implicated in his wrongdoings, I had so little time to voc- focus on the very personal element to it and how I was greatly harmed by this man that I stood by for so many years. So the story is powerful in that. I think many women can relate to losing themselves in a way when they, especially after having children, um, and they have to make choices in careers and lifestyles and, and, um, what their role is, um, what their family role is often we fall into that, that caretaker role. So I think that's very relatable. But also I think it's so, there's so much pressure in our, in our culture now that as you enter your twenties, you have to check all these boxes, right? You need to find your soulmate, um, you need to buy a house and have a baby. And I put so much value on these things. I didn't value myself enough. And while I don't think you need to experience the Malibu lifestyle and FBI investigation and, the double life with another woman living a mile away. Mm. I, I think many women can relate to that, that being so goal-oriented on the surface, uh, you can get away from who you truly are and living your, your best self, your most authentic self. And that's absolutely what happened to me. I'm sure there's much more to this story,
1: but that's <laughs> incredible. I can't even imagine parts of your story. I mean, parts I can relate to. And sure, I think I can definitely relate to losing yourself in a marriage. I can relate to doing everything you can to make a marriage work and realizing that it doesn't matter what you do, it mm-hmm. will not work. Yeah. Yes, And I think, you know, people don't have to experience all the extremes that you did to be able to take something from your story to You know, and to me, one of the main things that you talk about is value yourself, you know, don't, don't put your own needs aside for anyone. And I I really say anyone, you know, I, and it's hard for women in particular to, to, to even put that, wrap their heads around that, you know, how, how do I put myself first? You know, we were taught to give up our needs for others. We were taught that children come first, spouse comes first. It's okay to give everything up because you get so much back in return, but there's a huge cost and it, and it's not about being selfish. It's really self-care. If you don't take care of yourself, what what are you teaching your children? Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts, like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices. Your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash Last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Let's talk about children because you're sharing your story. And how many kids
0: do you have now? So I have two children now. Um, So Callan, who came out of that relationship is now 14. Mm. And um, gosh, incredible to think, you know, there's something to be said the years are The days are fast, the, or no, the days are long. The years are, are short. That's what I feel with Cal, especially. And then I have a four-year-old boy uh, now too. So I get to do it all over with, with new, Mm -hmm. new perspective. Mm Um, so that's, that's, uh, and showing them, especially Cal at 14, that to normalize talking about it, uh, to you know, and I was raised a little bit in the generation where we didn't had this picture perfect family, but we know it wasn't picture perfect. You know, we know my parents had their struggles, but they never talked about it. So by showing both my boys that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to say, gosh, I wish I would have done better. Uh, that's the only way we can, we can break the cycle and hopefully it will arm Cow with that confidence as he's, he starts to navigate his own relationships to, to recognize when he starts to lose himself, um, in a relationship and to seek that clarity and, and figure out who he is before he really dives into, to a relationship. I know it's tricky when you're in an abusive relationship, people see the, the facts from the book and they're like, gosh, Kimberly, how did you, like, you obviously must have known this wasn't right You know, when he grabbed you by the throat and pushed you down the stairs, like what, how could you not just leave? Well, that doesn't happen right away. It's this process that happens. And just as you say, it's a process of losing yourself, losing your self-confidence, losing that voice, um, building up those defense mechanisms, that survival instinct, the fawning behavior we do, when we're trying to protect our abusers, all of those things, when we don't prioritize ourself and our path first, and that truly is what, what happened to me. I lost my voice. I was living, I was living, uh, my purpose in life was supporting this man and assuming that once he accomplished his goals in life, we would come together and have a beautiful life at raising a family. That's where I got it wrong. And so
1: many of us get it wrong, and we give so many chances, and we excuse the inexcusable. And I, I would say that our past plays a role in what we see as normal, what we see as absolutely a line in the sand that people can't cross. And it took me a long time to see that line in the sand, because I always push the line further and further, going, oh, okay, well, we can we can excuse that one right well maybe that was just a bad day right and so i think when people disrespect us when they don't hear us when we feel invisible i mean you don't have to experience physical abuse to experience abuse and i think emotional abuse in many ways is is really harder for us to talk about because people don't see the scars and they dismiss it right and we dismiss it so in that regard, what do you want women to know about leaving an abusive relationship? If you can share some key tools or tips, steps, that would be really helpful.
0: Sure. I've actually, I've thought a lot about this subject. Um, on average, it takes women eight times to leave, uh, to successfully leave their a relationship that's abusive. And there's a number of factors, there's no single factor, but for some women it's, it's fear, um, fear of retaliation for some women. It's, it's not having the financial independence, uh, for some it's, it's the dynamic with the children and feeling like they're, they're failing the children by, by dividing the home. And, you know, the psychology of it too, you know, without that confidence or without that support, depending on, on the family structure you have outside of the relationship, it seems like almost an impossible task. Uh, never mind the psychology of not, of losing yourself, losing your confidence, losing your voice. It's a, it's a big step for me. It was a little more clear cut. I had to escape a situation that I potentially could be could have been implicated in an FBI investigation that I had no knowledge of but the last thing I wanted to do was associate with a man that had done so much harm uh so that wasn't you know clear as day and and then learning about the double life i mean i i was so blindsided that in his travels over the years building this company that he really had a whole other family down to the same dog. Mm -hmm. And at one point, his, the home he shared with this woman was just a mile away and feeling that betrayal, like, gosh, Kim, you are so smart. How did you not, how did you not see this? It was such an incredible punch in the gut. In my mind, I had no other option, but I realized it's not as easy for most, for most women. It's a very complicated situation, which is why it takes so long often to leave. Uh, but I will say, um, I think taking a step, just one step is really important. And that is finding someone that you know, will listen to you that won't necessarily offer Advice that won't be judgmental, but just will sit and listen, because as soon as you start talking about it, and as soon as you have a safe place to talk about it, that's actually movement. And I think the more you can lean on someone and the more you give yourself permission to say, Hey, what I'm living is not okay. I know I need help. I don't know how, but I'm going to start talking about it. It's a really important step. And if women can learn that in leaning on that relationship, if they could start to find their power again, and maybe it's coming up with a plan, or maybe it's, they think financially, they can't leave this relationship. It's figuring out, okay, what does that really look like? Like, what are my options and taking that time with some support of figuring those logistics out could then prepare you for the time that you say, okay, enough is enough. I think that would be truly my best, my best advice. And it is tricky. I say this as someone who has not told up until publishing this book, I never told a soul, including my very best friend, what happened to me behind closed doors. I never shared that abuse. Um, So in hindsight, it's easy for me to give these words of advice, but I know how incredibly challenging it is. Um, and on that topic, I do, uh, I have a close friend right now that is getting out of a, a relationship. And over the course of the last six months, she leaned, reached out to me and has leaned on, le- leaned into me. And I've had to balance that knowing what, with my wisdom and perspective, knowing what she needs to do, but also Not being too forceful with it, letting her take the lead, um, offering advice when she asks for it, but making her feel like she has that voice. And I truly believe that that has has helped her so much and finally seeing that relationship for what it was. So it's pretty powerful to have that perspective, especially after going through this process of, of writing Dirty Love.
1: Yeah, well, I like the simplicity of one step. You know, I think everyone can find somebody, just about everyone can find somebody who would just listen and then really asking them to just hear you, Mm -hmm. not give you advice, not tell you what to do. Because when you're going through something, you don't have the wherewithal to immediately take action. It is hard. It is scary. So I appreciate you really outlining all fears that could come up I've seen so many women who complain about their relationship, their marriage over and over. Do you know what he did to me? Do you know what he did behind my back? Do you know how he, he just tore my personality up in front of our kids? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. this is the same story I've been hearing for a really long time. What are you going to do? And then all the fears come up. I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not, You know, I I left a marriage without a career. I had given up most, I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't have a career that I could have supported myself yet. I had just gone to coaching school as I was ending my marriage. I had small ways of making money and I knew I'd find a way. I knew I'd find a way to, if I had to work five jobs, which I did, if I had to borrow money to make payments, I would. But that freedom of being on my own and leaving a marriage that wasn't working, and I certainly didn't go through what you went through. But it's it's hard to leave, and I get that it's hard to leave. It's why people stay way past the expiration date of a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, and i I mean... In my situation, my bank accounts and credit cards were frozen. I had access to a small amount of money to try to unravel this really extreme lifestyle. And I ended up, you know, going, having to bounce around from going, you know, going from the $6 million home in Malibu to a home that was in the stages of foreclosure. And I had to make these really short term, uncomfortable decisions which is as mothers is really hard to do because all we want to do is create stability for our children. And so every step we take that goes against that, it pulls at our heartstrings. And I felt like I was failing my son, but there were necessary steps to actually get to the very bottom, which was living, which wasn't, too bad of a bottom. I mean, compared to what a lot a lot of women have to go through, but I ended up living over the garage of my my best friend's house till I could figure out what my next step was because as you just described, um, I had a college degree. I didn't have an advanced degree. I I talked about going to law school because I had the help of so many lawyers that I felt like I could do a better job than they could. (laughs) So I remember walking the campus at university of Minnesota going, okay, I'm going to go to law school, but wait, I can't like, I have a child. I have to take out student loans. How do I care for my child and work and cover the cost of law school? Like You know, I don't have family close. Like, how does this work? So I understand it's complex. It's complex. And when you start taking
1: those steps, it starts to reveal itself, you know, and if you make good choices, if you speak to somebody who can make sense of money for you, if you can talk to people who understand how to rebuild the life, there are people out there who have done this, who can help. And I remember just finding a financial planner saying, okay, whatever money I have, I have to protect it. You know, and we never did that in our marriage. It was just put in a money market, put in a CD. Well, those things didn't work anymore. And this was my entire life savings. I have no retirement. What do I do? And so, you know, I think when you think about your kids and what they have seen you do, There is so much value in having them witness your recreating a life, you're rebuilding a life from the bottom up. I think that is one of the most incredible, empowering things that you can model for children that no matter how low you go, you can build and you can create a better life.
0: Well, in dirty love, there's a I feel that there, and I hope the readers feel the same thing. There's a powerful shift where the the first almost half of the book talks about my relationship with Jeremy and and how it unfolded and the layers of abuse. But then as it comes crashing down, you feel a powerful shift in me starting to be very intentional for myself. And there's a lot of missteps but I'm finally making these decisions and finding my power. And even though there's, you know, I I can't see what's in front of me all the time. I just am happier because I feel more in control. And it, it trickles down to my relationship with my son. I'm more present for him. I, um, it's almost freed me in a way to be, to get back to who I truly was, who that woman was before I got married, uh, that was had so much drive and so much ability uh, and so much determination for for the future. But you have to have the courage to, to take those steps before you start to feel that. And often it can take years to do that. Yeah. So I, I certainly, I don't mean to make it sound easy because it it's not.
1: Yeah, it's not, but that's why taking one step is doable, yes. It's staying stuck and not moving is not going to move you forward, even though it's understandable why people get so stuck. Yes. So I want to end on the question that I ask everyone, and yeah. uh, what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? <laughs>
0: Yes, gosh, I think the most important thing as you are looking for a a partner, whether it's for just a season or a lifetime, right, (laughs) is to really love yourself and to feel like you are your most authentic best self. And when you are solid there, I think that's when you're truly able to find that that person that compliments you in a way um, that's beautiful. Not that something that takes a hold of your life, but someone that perhaps has his or her own lane and you have your lane and they, they cross paths at times and you lift each other at times of need, but truly you are your own self. And that's a very important value in life. And, um, You know, even as I entered after this 10 year abusive relationship, as I entered other relationships, I, I didn't know that about me yet. I needed more time to heal and to figure that out before I could really be in a fulfilling relationship. So I think our society, the way we need to view our goals, especially in our twenties, take some time to figure out who you are. Because how can we know what we want in a relationship until we know who we are as people and what's important to us?
1: Excellent advice. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Yes. But it is, you know, I it's it's been my mission to help women uncover the authenticity and to really have honest conversations and not tolerate just these people who invest, even if it's investing very little energy into getting to know you the people who are 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 treating you poorly from the very start like just pay attention and have the hard conversations let people know what it is that lights you up and makes you happy so that they that they can do it or not do it and you know early on and I see too many too many women and some men doing it as well, where they're so much more concerned with not hurting somebody's feelings that they give up the things that are important to them. And so they're offering friendship when they don't really mean it. They're continuing talking to people when they don't really care about that person. You know, it's it's just being inauthentic. And when we can show up as our best self, as our most real self, that's when we'll know who's going to fall in love with us, not some version of us that wears a mask and is sending the representative out to date. So um, yeah, I really (laughs) appreciate this conversation, Kimberly. And I appreciate you sharing your story and how brave you are to, to share it with the world because after being silent for so long to share it, I am sure was not an easy feat. But it sounds like what you did in sharing is going to really change the lives of so many people, give them courage to hopefully, to hopefully do what they need to do to not give up who they are and to have the most authentic relationships. So
0: thank you. Thank you for that. I said in writing the book, if I could help one person through telling my story that it was worth all of my discomfort, never mind what I would do for myself. And it has far exceeded those expectations. So um, it's powerful being vulnerable, showing these sides and and inspiring others to to hopefully do the same. Yes, very powerful. Kimberly, share one link with us, one place
1: where we can find you.
0: So you can find my journey um, on Instagram and that is kj underscore Blackburn. But Dirty Love is available on Amazon. If you just search for Kimberly Blackburn and Dirty Love, and the audio version of Dirty Love is coming out in the next couple of weeks, so uh, that'll be fun to fun to share. And I actually read the story, so which is pretty unique uh, for an author. So you get uh, the emotion in in me telling the story too, which is powerful. I like
1: that. I like when an author. Reads their own work; it just feels more authentic, which is yes. what you're all about. That's so what I'm I all love. About. That, yeah. yes, <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Sandy, and thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please follow, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. It always helps us to grow even larger and get more wonderful guests like Kimberly Blackburn. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your Last First Date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.